Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast, a special edition for UFC 200. My name is Jake Letarski. I am joined today by John Littering. Uh, if you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at John Littering. You can give me a follow at J-A-K-E-S-K-I-52. John, we got some terrible, dreadful, probably the worst news possible here on late Wednesday night here. I think it was about 1030 Central for me. Uh, that John Jones would be removed from the card for a violation of the U.S. anti-doping policy here. We don't know for sure what substance he tested positive for yet, but we do know that there is not enough time to appeal that, and as a result, we will get uh, Mark Hunt versus Brock Lesnar as the main event of UFC 200. Uh, still looking for a new opponent for DC, but at the time of recording here, that fight is less than 24 hours away. So all in all, John, what was your initial reaction to this and uh, any intrigue on a possible DC fight after that? Well, you know, I was as shocked as everybody else. Um, John seems to be doing really well since his comeback as far as, you know, with the, the troubles with the law he had last year. And, uh, you know, we should preface this 
um, before we get into this, is saying, of course, he's innocent until proven guilty. Um, mm-hmm. He will apparently have his B sample of his uh, his B sample tested tonight, which is more or less just a confirmation of what has already you know been tested before. Mm-hmm. Um, as Dana White said yesterday, um, the USDA, when someone does test positive for something, you know they go over it multiple times to make sure that you know it wasn't a mistake or an error or anything like that. And um, I believe I read earlier today that Jones tested positive. For two different substances, they That's did not. Yep. They did not say which ones exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know, he he he'll have his due process. But I mean, I think we're both in agreement that we would both be you know pretty surprised if this is overturned or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know, I can't remember. I can't remember in MMA at least. You know, what, an instance where something like this is reported and then it ends up you know being not true. I should. I guess the easiest way to say it. Yeah, exactly. A couple just kind of clarification points on this. This came from an out-of-competition sample on June 16th, I believe. So John has had his troubles with, uh, I guess, testing positive for recreational drugs in the past, and those have been well-documented. And this, was not, a, this was not a recreational drug. Exactly. That's, that what I, that's what I wanted to make clear, is that yeah. uh, the United States Anti-Doping Agency does not test for recreational drugs out of competition. So this has got to be some sort of metabolite, diuretic, hate to say it, PED. Of course, like you said, of course, it's good to mention innocent until proven guilty. But, uh, of course, the UFC is not going to be uh, taking any risk if he was using PEDs and letting him fight DC. Interesting enough, though, if this would have happened about a calendar year ago today, I'm not quite sure it would have played out the same way without uh, without USADA being involved. Am I right there? Yeah, you know, this is the crazy thing about this is as much as this is terrible for, you know, everybody and horrible, you know, for the sport, I'm, I'm glad this happened in the sense that, you know, this, these kind of things can't happen in this sport. So as terrible as it is that we're going to lose a great fight and, you know, don't even get me started on all the, you know, promotional money the UFC lost and all this stuff, you know, these kind of things and this kind of, hardcore testing, you know, is good for the sport. This is the way it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Um, You know, we're going to lose big fights because of it. This is, when you think about it, this is as big, you know, if there was anyone who had any doubts about, you know, the validity of, you know, the USDA's drug policy and their drug testing, they basically just canceled the main event of the biggest card in history, what, 48 hours before it was going to happen? So, you know, so... If you have any doubt about, you know, the validity, this should pretty much tell you all you need to know about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, A lot of people question, you know, whether or not USADA might be in UFC's pocket because UFC is, is, uh, you know, I guess they work for the UFC technically, but looks like they're going to honor the decision, not trying to cover anything up. And as shocking as it is, I agree with you that it's good for the sport to ultimately get things cleaned up. And I would, I, and this is going to sound ridiculous, if I were the U, and they would never do this. You know, if this, just, let's just say, you know, John Jones goes through the appeal process and, you know, the the number that is being thrown, thrown out by a lot of people is he may get, you know, upwards of, you know, a two-year suspension somewhere around there. And again, that, you know, that's a long way off and, you know, many appeals and many hearings down the line and everything. So, you know, yeah. that's not, you know, that wouldn't be happening any you know anytime in the near future 
but I just don't understand how you can continue. Now, I, you know, I think we both agree that he is the most physically gifted fighter in the world. Correct. He has physical skills that other people don't simply don't have. And that's one of the reasons I was surprised when I heard this, because we both we spoke about this before. We both thought he was going to win fairly easily. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was a clean sweep at yeah, our staff picks. I, he, I very few thought DC actually right. gave him a chance in this one. You know, and he didn't. I, I certainly don't think he. You know, if it turns out to be some kind of performance enhancing drug, you know, I certainly don't think he needed to do that in order to win. You know, I think we both thought he was going to win easily anyway. But he's twenty eight year old. 20, he's twenty eight years old now. He'll he'll be twenty nine in a couple weeks, and then you know, hypothetically, say. You know, he gets a two-year suspension, and that's probably six months down the line. So, you know, he, it's theoretically possible, you know, he could be out until he's, you know, what, 31-ish in that area? Mm-hmm. Now, he would still be in his, you know, the prime of his, you know, athletic career. But if you're the UFC, and they would, I don't think they would ever, ever cut a guy who is, you know, the best, most gifted fighter in the world. As mad as Dana White is, and if you anybody saw the press conference yesterday when Dana announced this news, he was seething. Uh, he was seething. He, you know, he wasn't like screaming mad, angry. He that, and this, this, you know, his seething kind of attitude, to me at least, is even worse. He was just so frustrated and so taken aback by what happened. Mm-hmm. I still have a hard time believing that they would ever just flat out release him, mm-hmm. simply because. I can't see them allowing the best fighter in the world who's under contract go to some other organization. But I don't understand how, if you're the UFC, you can ever trust this guy in a big spot again. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. It'll be very, very difficult for them to rely on someone because this is the second time it, it, it's happened now. And it's it puts Dana White and the whole UFC in a very tough spot. Everything was almost going too smoothly up until this, like that's something that's had to happen. Yesterday, there were no this whole. I mean, other than the you know the the smaller injury Derek Brunson suffered, mm-hmm. there have been no injuries on this card. You know, they were able to work out a deal with Vince McMahon and the WWE to get Brock Lesnar back. You know, for the card, so everything was going so well, and then you know, 72 hours before the event, this happens. So it's, and it's, as you said before, it, it certainly appears by all indications that Daniel Cormier is going to remain on this card. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know who it's going to be. There was a report earlier that it was going to be Anderson Silva. That seems to be a mistake simply because mm-hmm. Anderson had, I believe it was gallbladder yeah. surgery not all that long ago. Yeah, gallbladder surgery like six weeks ago. Yeah, I think what happened... I've been watching this all day. Combate and Globo from both news outlets in Brazil seem to report it. My Portuguese is a little rusty, rusty so I, uh, I'm not quite uh, – couldn't read the whole column, but they made and, it seem I, like Dana it. Dana flat out denied it. Yes, so he, in a te- I, and, text to ESPN's Brett Okamoto. He pretty yeah, much – nope, no He fight. said that's you – no, know, forget it. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, Anderson's supposed – I believe Anderson's going to be in Vegas for the – Hall of Fame event anyway, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah, I think he's inducting Big Nog. Yeah, yeah. Dana White said, I believe they have two options on the table. He didn't say who. One is a title fight. Mm -hmm. One is a non-title fight. And, you know, without any inside information here, I would guess the title fight would be Musasi 
simply yes. because he's A, already on the card, and B, he's, as I said before, with Derek Brunson dropping out, he already has a replacement opponent. Mm-hmm. So I get, and you know, he's, he's a qual, you know, he's a, he's a top five fighter anyway. So my guess is he would be the title fight. Um, the non-title fight, I mean, forget it. I, you know, you could yeah. pick a million names. Well, White was dismissive of the idea of Michael Bisping. He said he's in no condition yeah, to fight. Yeah, he said in between fights, Michael is just, and that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me, to be honest with you. So Michael, yeah, I mean. Michael's I'll, like a camp guy. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure Donald Cerrone would fight him. That guy doesn't care, but yeah. it's not going to be him either. Yeah, I know a guy. He'd say, yeah, but, he, uh, he, I mean, you know, he'd be giving up 40 pounds, but he mm-hmm. don't care, but it's but, not going to be him either. Um, Realistically, I think Musasi, and I know I know Alir Latifi kind of put his name into the hat. He's scheduled to fight at UFC ha- Hamburg. That's like a way wild card. Not quite at the level of Musasi, I wouldn't say yet, but uh, I, mean, I don't know. Another possibility. Just for speculating. I mean, the weigh-ins are 24 hours away. Yeah, at the time of this record, yeah, uh, less than 24 hours. Because yeah, of the new so policy, I mean, they can weigh in early now. So uh, people would, are going to weigh in tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, you would have, I mean, you would have to kind of assume you would think it's someone who's already in town. I mean, what are you going to do? Fly someone across, you know, and, and three, you know, half these guys in this sport don't train in the United States anyway. So, how, you know, what, how are you going to get guys to Vegas in 24 hours and have them, you know, weigh in? And, you know, so we're going to have to wait and see. I would guess it's, I mean, I guess I would, you know, without any inside information, I would guess it would be Musasi. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that just makes the most sense simply because. He's already on the card facing a replacement opponent, so it's not like they would have to cancel, you know, a quality fight that was already made. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, as I tweeted yesterday, in this whole situation, Daniel Cormier is the one that I feel I feel terrible for. Exactly. The guy's gonna lose out. The guy busted his butt, you know, to get in shape, and you know, neither of us thought he. Cormier was going to win, but you know that's not the point. Mm-hmm. He's going to lose uh, no matter what happens. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. Mark Raimondi said on a, on a live update last night that this is what happened here is so much worse than if he had gone in and gotten beaten badly by Jones because the coaches aren't getting paid. He's not getting paid. Of course, there's he, still I, the possibility he's, he's, of no Latifi, or, happens, I mean of, of Musasi, but it, it's gonna, it's rough. He's going to lose money. Yep, losing big. Uh, it's big money. He was supposed to get a cut of the pay per view too, which I well, found every, wild. Everybody's going to lose money now. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure the way they cut this thing, Brock's getting a cut of the pay per view, or else he wouldn't do it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you know, he's going to lose. This is going to, uh, you know, this. There are going to be a lot of casual fans who are going to watch this because of just you know the notoriety of the event, and mm-hmm. you're going to get wrestling fans who watch it because Brock is there. But this is going to. And I'm not going to say torpedo because this is a pretty insane card. Even losing this fight, mm-hmm. but this they're they're gonna they're gonna lose numbers because of this. The numbers are going to drop because of this. Yeah, I would estimate at maybe a couple hundred thousand buys, if not more than that. So that's that, that sounds about. I would yeah, about, I, I was going to say about two fifty, yep. two hundred fifty thousand. That sounds about right. All right. I can buy that, but we're eventually going to break down the entirety of the remaining UFC 200 card on the show. But before we go too far in, let's do the championship fights both Thursday and Friday night. Starting with uh, Thursday night, we've got a lightweight championship fight between Rafael Dos Santos and Eddie Alvarez here. I know uh, in our Staff Picks article, we both have Dos Santos. Uh, can you give me a little bit of uh, just a quick breakdown of why you think he is the, uh, the better fighter? I mean, he's got a... Uh, Quite the hefty uh, price difference on DraftKings. 
He is he's favorite. He looks like a, a minus two seventy to minus two ninety five in that range. He's a pretty big favorite. Why is everyone on Dos Santos for this fight? You know, I I actually thought the odds would be higher. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I mean, this guy Dos Santos is just for the since he's lost one fight since May two thousand twelve, and that was to Habib Nurmagomedov in a fight where he just mm-hmm. couldn't handle Habib's wrestling. Um, he, I mean, his last four fights, they're wins over Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz, and Benson Henderson. I mean, the guy, and to be honest, that's as good as it of, gets. None of those fights were even remotely close. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there were a couple of decisions in there, but I mean, the, the Anthony Pettis fight went five rounds, but I, when he beat Pettis for the title, but I mean, we haven't seen a beating like that in a long time. He, you know, he, he destroyed Pettis. Dos Anjos has gotten, I, I, you know, Tony Ferguson comes to mind as well, but they're the two guys who in the past year to 18 months have really, you know, they don't look like the same fighter. They just look more confident and more comfortable. And, you know, Dos Anjos is, uh, is really, really good. And, you know, Alvarez is really good too. Mm-hmm. You know, for, former Bellator champion, you know, very good fighter. Um, but I think this fight was made more in the sense that I think it was, first of all, obviously they wanted a fight on a title fight on Fight Pass. But I think this is just more to try and get Dos Anjos' name out there. He's, you know, mm-hmm. he's not particularly well known amongst casual fans um, as good as he is. And, you know, it's just Alvarez has shown an ability in the past to, you know, to take a beating. You know, he, he beat he, – he lost his UFC debut to Don Cerrone. He won his last two fights against Pettis and Gilbert Melendez via split decision. And, you know, the Melendez fight, he fought nearly the whole – if I remember correctly, I believe, he fought almost the whole, the whole fight with one eye closed. I think his eyes swelled shut with like a minute left in the first round. You know, he still won that fight. And, you know, Alvarez is a good fighter, and I, I don't expect this to be, you know, a 25-second cakewalk for Dos Anjos, but I think there's just too, mu- too much skill there um, for Alvarez to keep up over a 25-minute fight. Let's move on to the title fight Friday night, though. We've got women's strawweight champion, Joanna uh, Junjacek, against uh, Claudia Gadeja, the uh, coaches on the Ultimate Fighter this year. Um, another intriguing fight. This one is a rematch. We saw those two fight before in which Junjacek won a split decision. I rewatched that today. Such a close fight overall here. Do you think Junjacek can pull it off once again, or are you maybe taking a look at Gadeja for an upset? You know, you know, I, I picked Joanna, but um, I'm not really, I'm not particularly confident about it. This is one of those, you know, title fights that you know I legitimately think could go either way. Um, they're different kind of fighters. Joanna is, you know, a Muay, Muay Thai based. She's won numerous Muay Thai titles. Simply, you know, probably the most violent striker in the division. Just power and combinations and a lot of kicks and uh Gadelia is more probably the strongest pound you know the one maybe the strongest woman in the division and more of a wrestling based and you know mm-hmm. ground game and well Gadelia's powerful in their last fight she yeah. seemed to be able to take Joanna down and, and seven, kind of get her seven, hips into seven, throws seven times she got her down I mean, which yeah. is a 
gigantic number. Quite a bit for a champion. And, yes. and, and the fighter that apparently won the fight. A lot of people think that maybe could have gone the other way. Yeah, it's, it's not often that you get taken down seven times in a fight and get a judge's decision. It just doesn't happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is, and uh, we should also point out these two women, you know, legitimately do not like each other. I know we say that, you know, a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, John Jones and Daniel Cormier don't like each other. These Some two, people just put on a show, but yeah, these two ladies not, yeah, these do two, not like each other. I, I admit I haven't watched one episode of, of The Ultimate Fighter this year. Mm-hmm. I've been following the results, but I yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, I'll fast forward to the end to see a fight, but yeah, you know, I don't need the reality two, show stuff. These two women do not like each other. So, I, you know, I, I picked Joanna, but I think Claudia has a better chance than she's being given credit for. Yep. I mean, I picked Claudia. I'm picking yeah. Claudia because, I mean, that first fight really could have gone either way. She's got the power. And, I mean, this should have maybe wasn't – I thought it was a pretty big factor in, in that last fight, the accidental headbutt that put a pretty big gash in, on Claudia in that fight. You know, you take that out of the mix. Of course, you can play what if all day, but I think that might have had a pretty big fight. That She was obviously phased by that and then had to deal with that cut the rest of the bout. And little things like that can make a difference in a close fight, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these are, at least in my mind, these are the two best charades in the world by mm-hmm. a considerable, considerable amount. Yeah, with so, a So, I mean, if I had to wager, I would bet that this will not be the last time these two fight each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whoever wins this fight, I can certainly, I can certainly just see the loser of this fight you know, going on some kind of run that eventually leads to, you know, the two fighting again. So Exactly. I mean, you know, is just a I, minus I, 120 to minus 130 favorite uh, uh, as far as, like, knockout potential. Fight going to a decision is minus 250 to go to a decision. So uh, Vegas says this will go all five rounds. So I think we're going to see another war between these two ladies. Yeah, yeah, they're both, you know, they're both, you know, Joanna's been fighting five-round fights for a while now, and... Mm-hmm. Claudia is just if you look at just look at Claudia, look at her prestige. I mean, she's she's ripped. So, mm-hmm. um, this you know if this is this is a very very close fight. I you know if someone wanted to make an argument for either woman winning, you know I'd certainly be willing to listen. I just you know I don't think there's much separating the two. You know if they fought ten times, you know I think both would probably win five. So, you know if you're looking at it that way, maybe you just you know if you just get more value with the underdog. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the main card, the one that we have all been waiting for here. Of course, uh, a little bit less uh, hype, of course, with the removal of Jones. Still, you know, as we're recording this, I I got my Twitter open waiting for an announcement, but not seeing a whole lot. But let's take it from the bottom up here, John. Start off uh, getting us going. We got uh, a couple of big-time veterans of the UFC in Jim Miller against Takanori Gomi. I personally like Jim Miller by decision. I, I believe you had Miller in your uh, staff picks. Real briefly, do you think it's just because Gomi doesn't quite have enough left, or do you think Miller has a better chance to ride out a decision because in this stage of the career there, there isn't that much knockout power for either of them? Yeah, you know, I picked Miller. I think I also wrote that I'd probably just stay away from this fight altogether. You know, both these guys are clearly, you know, trending towards the end. Yeah, uh, you know Jim Miller has always been a ground wrestler, but it has now gotten to the point where 
I don't want to use the word incompetent, but he does so little damage on the feet that if it's not a ground fight, he pretty much has no chance of winning. Um, you know, I, I tend to avoid fights like this because when you get two fighters who are aging and don't have the skills they once had, it's just so hard to realistically predict what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who and who's going to, you know, who's going to show up in better shape and whatever. So, I mean, I picked Miller, but there are enough other fights on this, this card especially that I, I think it's probably a good idea to just ignore this altogether. I mean, it's, I think it could be entertaining, but I don't really, I don't really know how one can realistically expect one of these fighters to come in and look so much better than the other. Well, let's Wait. move on here to the uh, middleweight bout. Next one on the card. This is the one that's going to be a little bit in limbo based on what we discussed earlier. It's Jagard Musasi against Thiago Santos. Santos stepping in for Derek Brunson on short notice here due to injury. Musasi 10,300, Santos 8,400. Musasi minus 295 favorite, and that is, of course, if uh, he doesn't get bumped up to face Daniel Cormier in what would look to be maybe the co-main event of that, they'd make it a championship bout here. Assuming everything stays as is, we've got Musasi Santos. We both like Musasi in this uh, in this bout here. Can you give us a quick breakdown? Um, yeah, you know, uh, this was like we mentioned before. This was originally supposed to be Musasi and Derek Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to pick Derek Brunson in that fight, and if I'm not mistaken, they you know they had early odds up for this. Um, Brunson was scheduled to be a fairly de- fairly sizable underdog. I want to say he was something like plus 210 or plus 215, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. He got hurt. You know, Santos stepped in. And, you know, Santos has certainly earned it. You know, he's, he's won three, four, fights in, four fights in a row, three of them via first-round knockout. But, you know, he's, he's fought nobodies, you know, more or less. You know, the, the knockout wins have come against Andy and Steve Bosset and, you know, Nate Marquardt. So, you know, facing someone like... Musasi is, you know, a whole entirely new level. And, you know, Musasi's not the most entertaining guy to watch. He he struggles with... He doesn't like to... I don't know if I'd say he doesn't like to give interviews, but he's not particularly adept at giving interviews. Maybe that's a better word. Um, he's, you know, and it's kind of like a similar Demetrius Mighty Mass Johnson in the sense that you know, he's as great as Mighty Mouse is, and he's probably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world at this point. He's not a great... He's still not a great self-promoter. And, you know, Musasi Musasi's the same way. So, Musasi's really, really good. He always has been. 21 career wins by knockout, 10 career wins by submission. He's good. You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. good in all areas. It's just not always that fun to watch. So, if this fight does indeed take place and, you know... Musasi doesn't get bumped up. I expect him to make fairly quick and easy work of Santos. Certainly might go to a decision, but you know I don't think he's going to have too much trouble here. Yeah, I could very much see it go see it going to a decision. Uh, but like, yeah, like I said earlier, I'm just going with Musasi based on the experience and the resume and those types of factors here. But let's move on to the uh, final bout of the UFC Fight Pass prelims. Uh, fans are going to get a treat in this one. I think it's a potential fight of the night candidate we've got fan favorite diego sanchez against joe lauzon these two 
always down to throw down, have some of the great fights in UFC history. I think all fans, including myself, are hoping for a brawl. But in that type of case, who do you think comes out on top? Well, you know, if it turns into a ground, you know, a ground battle, you know, Lozon is going to win. As Lozon is going to win a ground battle with pretty much any lightweight on earth. You know, Joe Lozon is a submission specialist. He always has been. 17 of his 25 career wins are by submission, which is just, you know, that's an insane, insane number. That's just a ridiculous number. And, you know, these are two guys who, this is similar to the Miller-Gomi fight. These are two guys who have a lot of miles on, you know, on their bodies, on their MMA, you know, careers, and they've been in a lot of wars, and you're right in the sense that this is going to be... I, I can't even imagine how entertaining this thing is going to be. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, the, the big difference between the two, I think, is that I have far, far more confidence in Diego's ability to take a beating and not get stopped than I do in Lozon's. You yeah. know, if, if Lozon, who doesn't have much power, never has, if Lozon batters Sanchez, I don't think Diego's going to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, the reason the reason I personally picked Sanchez in this fight is not only because of his ability to take a beating, but in his last fight against Jim Miller, I think we saw almost a little bit of a different Diego Sanchez as he wasn't just recklessly pressing forward and he waited out and smartly won a decision. So, I mean, obviously he's on this card because they wanted to be a brawl, but I think he, you know, maybe at the later stages in his career is starting to realize that uh, some of these other technical aspects are going to be a little bit more that's, important that's than the just direct- the grit. Yeah, no, that's and that's a we say it all the time. That's a direct result of working with Greg Jackson yeah, every day. Exactly, great, one of the great coaches, great yeah. camps uh, in the entire MMA. He, you know, world. Greg Jackson is well aware that Diego Sanchez probably doesn't have the physical gifts that he did earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. So he's you know he's he game plans towards his opponent, which is exactly what you're supposed to do in this sport. Exactly. Here, well, let's uh, let's move on to the Fox Sports One prelims here. We're going to kick things off with one of the top and better recognizable prospects, at least in the UFC. We've got the 20-year-old Sage Northcutt facing off against uh, a relative newcomer here in Enrique Marine. Uh, Sage Northcutt, of course, shockingly upset in his last uh, bout when he was choked out by Brian Barberina. Um, a lot of people are attributing that to uh, some sort of illness that Sage came down with, but you're going to pay a pretty hefty price for Sage Northcutt on DraftKings, coming in at 11300 uh, looking over everything quick. That is the highest-priced fighter on the entire card, it looks like. So, I mean, is it worth paying up for Sage and banking on that first-round uh, knockout, or do you not really want to put that much faith in a 20-year-old here uh, and maybe see him once uh, to start building up a winning streak, I guess? You know, it's what we said before about how you know, we tr- well, we try and stay away from guys with the salaries that size. Mm-hmm. This would be one of the rare times, and there aren't many. This would be one of the rare times where I would consider it. I mean, the only reason, I mean, this fight is happening because it's the biggest card in history, and the UFC wants to get Northcutt on the card. And I mean, Marine, I mean, Ruki Marine, you know, he's to be honest, he's just not very good. I mean. We've seen limited, you know, limited. We've only seen him in limited action. He's only had one UFC fight, but you know, this—the whole reason Northcutt 
this fight is happening is because the UFC wants to promote Sage Northcutt, as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought he, you know, the kid's now 20 years old. You know, he fought a lot. You know, he fought three times in, you know, what, four months to begin his career? He fought October, December, and January of, you know, October and, you know, December 2015, January 2016. He was sick for the Barberina fight. Um, if there's one thing we've seen about Sage Northcutt that's, you know, undisputable, the kid is a, an explosive freak athlete. He's just, exactly. he has athleticism. He, you know, he doesn't have the experience of some of these other guys. He'll make mistakes in there. But I would imagine that his pure athleticism is going to be more than enough to just, you know, blow right by Marines. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't I try not to spend that much money on one fighter, like we said, because if they don't get a quick stoppage win, you know, you're in trouble the rest of the night. So that's why you you know you try and limit such high price fighters in your lineup. But this this to me seems like one of the instances where it's a good idea much like you know a couple months ago when we were talking about chris cyborg's ufc debut you don't want to spend that much money but when you know someone like her is going to get a quick finish most likely it's not a terrible idea yeah exactly before moving on just want to say eight professional fights for sage northcutt all eight of them have been finished in either the first or second round. The odds to finish on this are minus 215. So if you're ever getting a bang for your buck at that high price, it might be with Sage Northcutt here. Well, moving ahead, we have got a very intriguing Bantamweight matchup where TJ Dillashaw will look to get back on track. That's former champion TJ Dillashaw, of course, losing that belt to Dominic Cruz some time ago here. He's going to look back to get back on track against uh, Rafael Asuncio. And Dillashaw, minus 410, minus 415 favorite, that actually makes him the biggest favorite on the entire UFC 200 card. We both picked him to win here. I think, I mean, Asuncio, excellent fighter, but he's just going to be a little overmatched in this one. Yeah, you know, this, and I said before, I think that is, the reason that is so so big a line is because Rafael Asuncio has been on the sidelines for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, with an ankle injury that originally, when it first happened, was by all accounts supposed to be fairly minor. It was supposed to cost him somewhere in the neighborhood of you know six weeks to you know two months, and it's now been a year and a half. So I mean, these two guys fought in October 2013, a fight that a Sun Sal won via split decision. Mm-hmm. So you know. I think it's. I think Dillashaw is clearly the second best bantamweight in the world. Losing your belt to Dominic Cruz, you know, there's no shame in that. Dominic Cruz, when he's healthy, is one of the best fighters of the modern era. So, you know, losing your belt to Dominic Cruz is, you know, there's no shame in that happening. And but, you know, and I certainly am picking Dillashaw to win. But I, I a Sunsail might be my favorite value play on the whole card. You know, the guy is he's won he's won seven fights in a row, and as good as Dillashaw is, a Sunsau's low salary and those really, really insane Vegas odds are the direct result of him not fighting anytime recently. 
Yes, I, I would agree, and I can very much see where you're coming from there. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, Dillashaw, 11100 for someone who lost it to his opponent his last time out, that's quite a hefty price tag. So although I'm pretty confident in Dillashaw winning, I'm not necessarily very faithful that he can get the early finish that will lead to him hitting value at that price tag here. But uh, moving on, we've got a, uh, another intriguing welterweight matchup here. Johnny Hendricks against Kelvin Gaslam here. Hendricks checks in at 10100 on DraftKings. Gaslam 9300 here. As far as uh, the Vegas odds in that fight goes, we're looking at Hendricks being a minus 160 favorite. So a favorite, but not a huge favorite here. And then, of course, uh, worth noting here, the odds to finish um, being plus 145. So uh, Vegas is liking this matchup here to actually go to a decision here. What are your thoughts on that, and how do you see this one playing out? You know, I, I have I have Gaslam in an upset here, but the, the one caveat I would say is I would certainly see how both of these guys look at the weigh-in tomorrow before um, making a, a clear decision on, on what you're going with here. Mm-hmm. Both these guys have had problems making weight in the past. Gastelum certainly more notice, you know, more notably and on more occasions. But you know, Hendricks has had he gets there, but he's had problems getting there. Mm-hmm. So you know, the thing the thing that worries me a little bit about Hendricks is he's been in a lot of certainly a lot of title fights, but he's been in a lot of hard fought title fights. Both fights against Robbie Lawler, the fight against George St. Pierre, you know, the fight against Carlos Condit. He's been a lot of difficult fights. And I was really, really concerned about what I saw from Hendricks in his fight against Steven Thompson in February. Everybody mm-hmm. certainly thought that Hendricks's clearest path to victory in this fight was to try and employ, you know, a wrestling based, you know, offense against, against wonder boy. And, you know, what did Hendricks do? Tried to kick him. Of course. And yeah. And, you know, if you try and get involved in a kickboxing match against Stephen Thompson, you deserve whatever you know. You deserve exactly what you're going to get, which is exactly, which is you know the right to be to the right to go unconscious, which is what happened. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't like what I saw from Hendricks there, and you know Johnny's 32. You know he, he's getting up there. He you know he's he's not as young as he's used to be. Gastelum is only you know 24. So I certainly would think Gaslam has more room for growth on a fight-by-fight basis. And, you know, this is one of those things where if you were going to tell me and guarantee to me that Hendricks was going to go with a wrestling-based offense, I'd pick him to win. But just like, and I, you know, I said the same thing before the Thompson fight. If you would have guaranteed me that he would go with a wrestling-based offense, you know, I think he would clearly win. But he showed in the Thompson fight that there, there's certainly no guarantee that that's what he's going to go with. So, uh, you, you know, if, uh, I, this is tough. This is another one of those close fights. But, uh, you know, I just th- I think Gaslam has more room for improvement on a fight-by-fight basis now. But again, I would wait until tomorrow and see how they both look because these are two big welterweights who have both had problems getting to the 171-pound limit. 
So I, I would check that out tomorrow before I made a final decision here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fortunately for both fighters, the new weigh-in policy stands to help both of them yes, immensely. That, that, this that is uh, just to summarize, like they can weigh in in the morning, and then you know the show that they do at night—that's kind of fake. It's really just for show. They get a chance to weigh in earlier in the morning, a few more hours to rehydrate, replenish their body here. So I think that's going to be a huge huge help for both of these fighters potentially and that's part of the reason that i think i'm going to lean towards Hendricks in this one i would hope that he's learned his lesson after that fight against uh against wonder boy and uh and isn't going to necessarily try to kickbox the whole time and use what has got him this far in the ufc to his advantage so i give Hendricks a slight edge but i have I have, have a tough time i mean a 10,100 on DraftKings, I, I, could, I could see using him but I would maybe stay away from it from a DraftKings perspective just because of the seemingly likelihood that this fight would go to a decision. So that's Gas, kind of how I feel Gaslam about that one. Is pretty, Gaslam is pretty durable, too. Um, mm-hmm. He is. So, and we know, I mean, we know Hendricks can take a beating. So this could, I can see this going the distance. Yeah, right on here. Well, let's move on to, uh, we got a women's bantamweight matchup here. Kat Singano, a lot of people remember her from... Uh, Pretty much uh, Ronda Rousey's highlight tapes is where a lot of people see her. She's going to take on Juliana Pena, and she's a pretty big favorite in this one, actually. Uh, well, minus 165, minus 175 is what I'm seeing here. Pretty decent price discrepancy on DraftKings here. She is uh, 10500 whereas uh, Pena is, is 8900 So quite the difference there here. I mean... Katzengano, I've seen her a little bit, some photos from Vegas and whatnot. She looks like she's in pretty good shape, and she's ready to go for this one. I know we both picked her here. Uh, can can you explain why why you like why you like her a little bit more in this one? You know, I like her to win, but I think this is similar to the um, Dillashaw Sunsaw fight in the sense that you know why we both are why we both like the favorites in both those fights to win. You know, you can certainly make the argument that the underdog is certainly the better value play here. Kat hasn't fought since February 2015, which was the Ronda Rousey fight, which lasted something like, I want to say like 14 seconds or something, something mm-hmm. like that. It was 16 seconds, somewhere around there. So Led it's her been, counting in a commercial for the video yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, I believe they, re- I mean, I, after the fight was over, I believe they replayed the entire fight like three times in a row and it lasted like a minute. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's never a good sign, yeah. but you know, and Kat has been hurt for a lot of her career. She's been hurt. You know, she's had long stretches on the sideline, which is why I was surprised that she took such a long time off here. She, you know, she hasn't fought in nearly a year and a half, but for that, the, almost the entirety of that year and a half, as far as, you know, we know, she's been healthy. You know, there's been no, no, nothing seriously reported, no reported injury during that time. So, I was a little surprised that she took so much time off. I mean, I acknowledge that there wasn't a lot of fights that made sense for her from a booking standpoint, but I was surprised that she agreed to take so long off. Now, Zingano is, I mean, she's certainly getting overlooked because of the Ronda Rousey, you know, disaster. She worked hard to, you know, earn a title shot and she lost in 16 seconds. But, um,. I think I'm a believer in Zingano being one of the, you know, three or four top women's bantamweights in the world. And, but, you know, I'm also, I'm also a fan of Pena. I think Juliana Pena is very good. Um, She's coming off some problems with the law, which always is never a good sign 
in the sense that you don't know where, you know, a fighter's mindset is going to be. But, you know, I just think I like Zingano's all-around game. She does a lot of things well. But, again, like, they'll show us a Sunset fight. I'd be willing to certainly say here that I think the underdog is, might be a better value play. And I would not probably not use Zingano here because I think there's a better than even chance that this fight ends up going the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of 10,500 or less fighters, I think, that have a much better chance of a knockout here uh, than Kakis and Gano. If you're, pay- if you're paying that, that kind of money, you know, you want a finisher, and, and that's not really Kat's game. Exactly. I mean, so, yeah, we both like Kat, but probably Juliana may be a better value if you do insist on picking this fight on DraftKings. Got to pick a couple dogs, so why not paying you here, but... Let's go ahead and move on to the main pay-per-view card. We've got uh, a slightly intriguing heavyweight uh, championship, or not, I'm sorry, not championship fight. I keep, when you see, when I see the name Caleb Velasquez, I always want to say championship because I think he might be the best heavyweight in the UFC, but he's taking on Travis Brown. He's a big favorite. Do you think he's the biggest lock of the evening? I think he's up there. I, you know, I would be, you know, Kane's loss to Fabricio Verdum, where he lost his title, was came as, certainly came as a shock to all of us. You know, a guy who was known his whole career for having amazing, ridiculous cardio. More or less, I you know, at least in my opinion, misjudged the misjudged the effect that the um, altitude in Mexico City had. Mm-hmm. And the end result was a guy who looked exhausted, you know, and gassed out. And, you know, Velasquez, his whole entire career, that's that's what he made his name on. You know, being a guy who could, you know, looked like he could fight 10 rounds. And that wasn't the guy we saw in the Verdum fight. And I still believe that he is the he is the best heavyweight in the world in the sense that he has the most complete game. The guy who can do everything. And I'm not I'm not a big Travis Brown guy. There are just there are too many inconsistencies there for me to really take him seriously. Um my I think Kane wins this fight fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I would have to agree with you. Uh Travis Brown, a respectable opponent, and of course you have to acknowledge that in the heavyweight division these there's going to be some heavy punches thrown and really anybody could beat anyone if the fluky thing happens but i would say kane velasquez is a pretty solid lock for this one and even at eleven thousand two hundred, he has a good chance to return value if he doesn't get that first round knockout trust me that's coming in the second or third round because i think we see his cardio back here in this one uh but let's go on ahead to a featherweight matchup here we've got frankie edgar against jose aldo uh a whole lot of buzz around this fight this is essentially a title eliminator possibly if mcgregor ever does get back to featherweight i think he'll face the winner of this fight but in my opinion this is one of the fights possibly on this entire card that i am the most excited to go see in person to get to see a legend like aldo against uh, someone like frankie edgar who's got all the momentum in the world on his side how do you see this one breaking down john uh you know i see this as a fight that is really really too close to call um this is the fight I'm looking forward to most on the entire card. Um, I, I it's so hard to pick a winner here. I I ended up taking Edgar because Frankie has 
insane cardio. He could fight 10 rounds if he had to. Aldo has earned a reputation as a guy who, even through his, you know, ridiculous long winning streaks, he's earned a reputation as a guy, and rightfully so, who fades a little bit towards the end of fights. He doesn't fight the first, he doesn't fight the fourth and fifth rounds like he does fights the first, second, and third. So, you know, if this is a fight that goes the distance, which I could certainly see, I like, I have more faith in Frankie's ability to produce late than I do Aldo's. And again, there are legitimate concerns about what Aldo will look like coming off the most devastating loss of his career. You know, he was knocked out by Conor McGregor in 13 seconds. You know, McGregor walked to the center of the octagon, threw a punch, and Aldo was out cold. So, you know, when you go more or less over a decade without losing a fight, it's and then you get, you know, waxed like that, I think there are, you know, legitimate questions as to how you will look in the, you know, in terms of a response. And I said before, I've said numerous times, Aldo to me looked defeated before the McGregor fight began. He looked uncomfortable. He looked uncomfortable in interviews. He looked uncomfortable, you know, in the walkout. He looked uncomfortable during the introductions. I think he just got overwhelmed by all the verbal sparring that Connor throws your way. And that's not Frankie's style. Frankie just shows up and fights and leaves. So, you know, Aldo's not going to have to deal with that, you know, aspect in this fight. But, you know, I just, I guess I have more faith in Edgar in a five-round fight than I do Aldo. But again, this is one of those, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other type deals. You know, it's two of the best fighters in the world in any weight class. So, you know, it's trying to pick a winner, you know, in this kind of thing is difficult. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think I'm going to pick Edgar by a hair just because I, I, like you were kind of saying, what what you said in your UFC 200 preview on, on rotowire.com, which is free, by the way, go ahead and check it out if you're making a lineup. What you said in there is something that I just couldn't shake, how Aldo just wasn't quite right mentally and some of his antics maybe a little bit uh, off. Not he, Something just doesn't seem quite right with him, and I'm hesitant to really bet on him until I can see at least some shades of the old Aldo and him coming back. And, I mean, Frankie Edgar, been solid. He's on himself. He's got himself a pretty good run right now. Uh, I think he wants that title. And, of course, Aldo's the only thing standing in his way. He had a brutal knockout of Chad Mendez at, at last December at the Tough 22 finale. I just think I, I like I like Frankie Edgar a little bit more in this fight. Very excited to see this one overall, though. Um, it's just going to be tough to put one in to a DraftKings lineup here. But uh, we do have another title fight following this one up in what is currently, as of our record time here, in line to be the co-main event of UFC 200. We've got a women's bantamweight championship fight between the defending champion, Misha Tate, against the challenger in Amanda Nunes. Now, these this belt's been changing hands an awful lot lately. Do you think it'll change hands again tonight? Or Saturday night, I'm sorry. You know, I don't, but I give Amanda Nunes more of a chance to win than I think most other people are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Misha Tate fought a perfect or, you know, close to a perfect fight in the Holly Holm fight where she won her title in the sense that she took her time and did just enough on the feet and in the stand-up game that she eventually worked herself into a position you know, to use her submission skills to to defeat Holly, which was certainly Holly's weakness. 
Now, you know, Tate is not, not, she's not a great athlete. She's a good all-around fighter. Her submission skills are better than her striking skills, but she's not a terrific athlete. But the one thing about Misha is she's always been, you know, she's been in a lot of big fights. She's been in a lot of title fights. And the biggest thing is Misha has always been very, very good about tailoring her game plan to whoever she's fighting. Mm-hmm. There are a lot, we say this all the time, but it's just mind boggling to me that you look at these matchups, you know, in some of these fights and you say, wow, all right, this guy should, you know, certainly be in pretty good shape. You would think if he just, you know, does this or he just does this. And then you go and you watch the fight and forget it. You know, they don't, they don't, you know, they, they do something totally different. It's like, but what just what we were talking about in the um, you know Hendrix Wonderboy fight, how everybody certainly thought if Hendrix employed a wrestling based background, he would have been in real good shape. When he, next thing you know, you know he gets in a stand, he gets in you know a kickboxing match with a kickboxing world champion, and he's out cold. So you know Tate has always been good about tailoring her game plan, and Amanda Nunes has earned this fight. You know, don't let anyone fool you; she's certainly a threat. She has a lot of power. And, you know, the thing about Nunez is she has a better ground game than she gets credit for. We don't see it almost ever because she's always busy just knocking people out. But she has a better ground game than she gets credit for. You know, I think we're going to find out here how good it really is because I think Misha is too smart mm-hmm. to stand there and just let Nunez wail away on her on the feet. So... You know, certainly Misha is a deserved favorite. You know, the champion almost always is. But I, I think I think Nunes has a better chance than most people are giving her credit for. You know, I I would use her, put it that way, in, as far as DraftKings perspective. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you enough that I'm going to go out on a limb and go ahead and pick Nunes in this fight. I just think we've seen so much parity in this division, so many belts changing hands, that why not have it happen again? And of course, if you're if you're playing on DraftKings, you got to pick some dogs. She sits at 8,700. She's good. And there's a lot of a lot of ways. I mean, we've seen from her last three fights, she can win by decision, can win by submission, uh, can win with her power. And I think her power is uh, people don't give her enough credit for it. A little bit under underrated. I remember seeing her teammate uh, Valerie Latorno talking about it on the uh, on the MMA hour this week with Ariel Hawani, just about how powerful she really is. I'm going to just, I got to throw one wild prediction out there. I'm going to say Nunes by maybe uh, maybe a third or fourth round submission, something like that. I think we maybe see that ground game. There's a strategy that she has coming into play, just like Misha Tate. And I think as far as the odd separation and the price difference, I mean, it's very similar to how much Holly Holm was favored over Misha Tate in the last women's bantamweight championship fight. So I think there's a little bit of room for profit there going with Nunes. That's probably one of the bigger upsets I've got picked uh, out of the rest of my picks uh, for the card there. So uh, this is one where I guess we're going to have to disagree a little bit. I think it'll be a good fight. Very exciting to see it in person. But I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go Nunes. But I I can't give too too tough of an argument to someone that wants to pick Tate because she certainly earned it and she has the heart and and a lot of different skills and the preparation as well. So both fighters have a lot going in their favor heading into this matchup. I'm going to pick the upset. I feel not super great about it, but confident enough to call this one as an upset here. But let's move on to the main event. What is the main event as of right now? Still, we do not have a rescheduled opponent for DC Cormier. 
we're going to go ahead and look at Brock Lesnar, who is returning to the Octagon. He makes history here. Uh, he was the main event of UFC 100 and UFC 200, but he certainly didn't get scheduled for a slouch of an opponent in Mark Hunt. This should be an intriguing heavyweight matchup. Mark Hunt loves to throw bombs. He's a big favorite. He's 10,400 on DraftKings compared to Lesnar's 9,000 here. Um, I mean, I saw an article where the fighters were picking fights today, and most fighters think Mark Hunt takes care of business here. Uh, do you think Lesnar has – I mean, everyone has a puncher's chance in this type of thing, but you're pretty confident in Hunt for this one? You know, I'm confident in Hunt in the sense that he's just – the guy's just so damn durable. You know, you just – you can't stop Mark Hunt. So unless – I think the only way Brock wins this fight is if – and Brock has already more or less come out and said that he's going to, you know, just try and wrestle Mark on, you know, the whole entire time. You know, he's basically admitted that. So I would be, you know, we know what Brock's going to do. And Mark Hunt, for all the flack he gets for his physique, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good athlete. Mm-hmm. He's a better athlete than he gets credit for. And he um, has pretty good takedown defense, yeah, too. He's, he just, he doesn't do it much. He, he's a pretty good athlete. Now, Brock has never, I said this before and it sounds a little strange, Brock has never liked getting punched in the face. No one likes getting punched in the face. Mm-hmm. But Brock, Brock, has, oh, Brock has never been a guy who has in, enjoyed, you know, stand-up wars, so to say. So it's just, if Brock was facing like Frank Mir, say, you know, obviously, Mir's going to be suspended, so it, you know that wasn't possible. What but. a blown opportunity, by the way! Without yeah, that suspension, he'd almost certainly be. Do we'd almost certainly be doing Lesnar versus Mir three in this yeah. event? And I, and I would, I would pick Lesnar in that fight. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Hunt is just really, really, really durable. It, you know, he's just he's almost impossible to finish. You know, look at the beating. Um, you know, this Tipe, the beating Stipe Miocic put on him recently. You know, he was, Hunt was just absolutely destroyed. And what happens, you know, he, the guy can just take a beating. And, you know, Brock Lesnar has, I believe the other day, he said he's been training full-time for what? I, I want to say he said three weeks, I believe. He said so, he sparred 3,000 rounds, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. But yeah, he, I mean, he's going to be prepared. What, you know, the guy, you know, what can you realistically expect from Brock Lesnar at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, I said before, my guess, and this is all this is, I would guess this is the last time we're going to see Brock Lesnar fight in the UFC. It's just, he's certainly getting, you know, a huge paycheck, but he also gets a huge paycheck from Vince McMahon. Exactly. And he doesn't, I don't know, for our listeners out there who, you know, don't, you know, watch pro wrestling, Brock works um, far from the full-time schedule. Brock pretty, as far as pro wrestling. Brock is more or less there just for big events or, and, you know, you know, the shows leading up to big events. So Brock certainly, you know, is not a full-time wrestler either. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he certainly only makes appearances during big events. So, you know, Brock is a freak athlete, always has been, you know, and, but, you know, he's also getting up there in age. So, you know, Brock, assuming he, you know, employs a wrestling, you know, based offense. If Hunt's 
takedown defense can hold up, which it's underrated and it's better than people give it credit for. People just look at him and look at his physique and say, oh, my God, okay, that guy's a horrible athlete. He certainly isn't. So if Hunt's takedown defense holds up, I think there's a good chance that he just, you know, will able to be able to beat Brock up on the feet. And the main reason I took Hunt, like I said, is just because I think he's just too durable. You know, a guy who is nearly impossible to finish is not the kind of guy, a guy like Lesnar who's been away for so long should probably be fighting. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think you make some great points with Hunt. I think uh, the majority of the MMA community would probably agree that Hunt will win this fight. Um, but again, I think I'm going to have to go out on a limb here. and I'm going to pick the man, Brock Lesnar. I can't help myself. Here's why. I think that I've got a few reasons here. I'm not just picking him because uh, he went, you know, when I was when I was growing up and watching him in the UFC, I thought it was crazy. Part of what got me into this sport. So try not to be too biased here, but I think there are a couple reasonable paths to victory in this fight. He's four years younger when he was forced out of the UFC. Of course, he had that gastrointestinal disorder type and that, that appears to have been cleared up a little bit. So maybe he wasn't 100% towards the end of that career. And then what it really comes down to for me is just his wrestling. He's going to have to be incredibly careful when he changes levels just to make sure he doesn't get caught by a hunt uppercut because that could end his night very fast. But I think he's going to be persistent with attempting to take Mark Hunt down. And Hunt has got some excellent takedown defense. I'll give him that. It's deceptive takedown offense based on what he looks like. But I think trying to defend those takedowns for so long, maybe, maybe Brock doesn't get the first attempt. Maybe he doesn't get the second attempt. But by the third or the fourth attempt, I think Brock Lesnar will be able to take Mark Hunt down, use that all-world caliber, caliber wrestling here. And then once he gets him down, Hunt might be tired already. And then we've got Lesnar kind of uh, pounding him out for the, for the finish, uh, the elbows, the fists. I mean, those lunchbox fists, uh, the 5XL gloves that uh, he had asked the UFC for. I just I think that's the path to victory for Mark Hunt. And I do like using Brock Lesnar. I mean, plus 145 dog, plus 150 dog. I think I'm, when I get to Vegas, I might throw a little bet down on him just to, uh, you know, have a little bit more at stake here in the uh, in the big card, as if we needed to have more at stake. But I do like Brock Lesnar in this in this one. Uh, you, you know, the youth, the health, and the wrestling, I think, will prevail. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the RotoWire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. Once again, I'm Jake Litarski. Follow me on Twitter at jakeski52. Uh, John Littering is my co-host. Follow him on Twitter at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. Remember to catch UFC Fight Night 90 Thursday, Tough Finale Friday, and UFC 200 on Saturday. Check out rotowire.com for all the recaps. Thank you for listening.